Italian American Baseball Foundation dinner in Brooklyn, New York at Carmine and Sons. I'm here with the MLB Networks and a bunch of other things. John Morosi. He is a famous guy. He's breaking all this news on Twitter and he's here with us tonight. So while I have a couple minutes, let me ask him a couple questions. So I guess the first question is, how did you get involved with the, I mean, you're honored tonight, obviously. Um, how did that come about? Great question. Uh, I think uh, somewhat organically as, as time has gone on, Danielle, where I've just gotten more and more involved in international baseball. It's a great passion of mine. Uh, my family, I'm, of course, Italian-American. Hey, we have special guests here. Great to see you. Hey, cameos, cameos. Yeah, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so I'm, I'm just very proud to be Italian-American, and it's really one of my favorite games that, that I ever covered was when Italy came back and rallied in the World Baseball Classic to beat Mexico in yeah, the first game. I was watching. In 2013, amazing game. Yeah. And since then, I was hooked on, on the World Baseball Classic yeah. and just the potential of baseball to bring people together all around the world. I love the fact that baseball is back in the Olympics now. World Baseball Classic, I always believe, is some of the best baseball we see any year, any time. Right. If you go to, I remember just the, the game between the U.S. and the Dominican Republic at Marlins Park in 2017, the noise that night, you would never watch that game and say, well, baseball has any issues at all. No problems at all with energy and excitement. It's all there. So right. I, I'm a big believer in the international side of the game. And then from talking to Joe and Carmine about all the work that's happening here, uh, I'm a proud dual citizen of the U.S. and Italy, so I want to make sure that uh, I, I fulfill my obligations to both countries and help grow the game in both places because baseball has had such a big impact on my life and I want to now share it with young people here in the U.S. and certainly in Italy as well. Now, John Paul Morosi, I can't help but think, is it John Paulo or was it ever John Paulo? <laughs> so no, I, it was strictly John Paul, just J-O-N actually, and not Jonathan. Yeah. The given name was uh, J-O-N. My mother, as the story goes, uh, my father's name is John, J-O-H-N. Okay. And my grandfather, uh, his name is Paul. They wanted to have John Paul be my name. Okay. And I guess at the hospital after I was born, they, they were asking my mother how they were going to spell John. And she said, well, how would you spell John? You, you always spell it J-O-H-N. They said, well, actually, we're hearing more people now spell it J-O-N. Mom says, it's a good idea. So we'll go with John, J-O-N Paul. And, of course, uh, they're going to quote John Paul already by that. Right. That may have been some element of it, but uh, specifically it was in honor of my dad and my grandfather. Okay. Uh, and the spelling variation was sort of a, a, a moment of inspiration on my mom's part. And a part italiano, too. Well, un po' italiano, eh, eh, penso che è più importante di parlare un, un po' italiano e specialmente che io sono un, un cittadino di, di, di Italia e, e il mio business è andato a Zizi, altro in mezzo sono, sì, è andato a Bernardi Ticino, più vicino a Cugiono, eh, eh, vicino al Mercanza Airport eh, e, e spero che in futuro eh, un sogno è, è per, eh, per parlare italiano in un... Eh, sulla una trasmissione di de, de un uh, sport in Italia in, uh, in, in, futuro, in futuro qualche anno eh, devo, devo uh, lavorare qui con Major League Baseball uh, uh, in questo momento però in futuro uh, magari magari che vivo in, in Italia so this guy says he's not that good but did you hear that? I mean that was good I'm going to tell the teacher right there that was good <laughs> Your birthday is May 17th? Yes. So is mine. Taurus as well. Uh, Stubborn. Uh, a couple other. Uh, so Cross, Pena, and Major League Baseball. Yeah. Birthday is uh, May 17th as well. There are some, some other athletes as well that come to mind. But yes, May 17th. Uh, the same team. Uh, il, 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 il giorno più speciale in, 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 in Bravo, bravo. Um, so I, I 
also sorry, you have a degree in what is it, environmental science and public yes. policy. Yes. We're both kind of doing this roundabout yeah. way. How did you get into sports yeah. broadcasting? Great question. Uh, so when I was in school, I needed a work study job to help pay for my tuition, and so I started working at the sports media relations department at, at, at the university, and I just gradually said, you know what, I like going to these games. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun way for me, first of all, that I had to have a job, second of all, yeah. it was a good way for me coming from a small town in Michigan, which was one square mile, Where? basically, Essexville, small small town. Where on the hand map is so, it? Okay, okay. Close to Bay City. Okay. Close suburb of Bay City. Okay. Bay City is 25,000 people. Essexville is about 3,500. Okay. And uh, it's like 1.5 square miles. And, and so for me, sports were such a big part of my life growing up that going to school in the Boston area, which was a huge city for me, to kind of make sense of this new place, yeah. I knew sports. And so uh, I gradually gravitated that direction. Uh, I wanted to, as best I could, uh, try to make a career out of it once I realized that, hey, you could actually get paid to watch sports. So uh, I've got this degree, which is important, and I, I think about ways of how can I help the world. Uh, we think about the environmental science aspect of things. Uh, I, I want to do something with that at some point in time, but uh, I just said, you know what, I'm going to have to follow this dream of covering baseball as long as I can, as long as I can do this as a job until someone tells me it's time to grow up and join the real world. Has not happened yet, uh, and so I've done this now for, goodness, uh, more than 14 years. So hopefully, hopefully I can keep doing it for as long as I can. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, uh, um, I, you know, I always, I always wonder this. Like, guys like you, your phone number has to be in players' phones. Do anybody, any of the players kind of like leak information to you? It's a great question. Uh, I, I would say this. Maybe if you acquire a certain status in the game, that would happen automatically. But I always found that you've got to ask the questions and do the due diligence where yeah. a player is very rarely signing a contract and sharing the news of his life and say, wait a minute, I have to talk to John Rosie right now. Yeah, I would very rarely think that's the case. Uh, so you've got to work for it. I think you have to sort of be present, ask the right question on the right day at the right time to the right person. Yeah. And you do that by just putting as many lines in the water as you can, yeah. treating people as fairly as you can. I think, for better or worse, it's now a very transparent job. We're on Twitter a lot. Uh, what you're reporting is on Twitter and seen by the players and their families. Right. I remember one time, a couple of years ago, I was reporting on a trade involving, I think it was Matt Latos, a uh, pitcher, and, and as soon as I tweeted that Matt Latos was on the verge of getting traded, I started getting questions from his wife on Twitter about where he was going. Oh, no. So, I, fortunately, I was right, and then I, then I didn't have to, like, walk it back. Yeah. But it was instructive that it's not fantasy baseball. These are, these are real people with families, and when you report something about where they might be going, there are kids at school who are reading this and, like, is, is my friend now going to get sent to a new town? And so it's, this is real. So it doesn't mean that we don't say anything because we have a job, but it means that we do our work and that we have to make sure that we report things thoroughly and, and in general, in this day and age, you have to look at it and say, if I report this information as news and it's correct, realizing the player's probably going to see it, their family's going to see it, which is not to say that everything you have to say is blowing all the time about everyone, but it has to be fair. And I think that that's where, if a player's one for his last 36, that's a fact. And I think that's, it's hard to get upset about a fact. So I think that, that for us, we have to always do our, our best as reporters, especially this time of year. So many rules 
boomers are out there. Right. Uh, we have to be thorough and, and report with care. Remember, of course, this is a fun business of baseball, but be careful with it as well. And accurate. And accurate. Yeah. And that's the most important. Now, the most of free agents in like 30 seconds. Do you think, where do you think Harper actually ends up? So, it's a great question. Of course, we're speaking here on the 6th of December. So, uh, if you watch this sometime after this conversation, uh, I have a chance to date myself and be wrong. But if it ended, if it was right now, if, it, if I had to decide right now, I would say the Phillies. Me too. Because, because Danielle, you think about it, they they tried to get Corbin and didn't. Uh, they've had this capacity in their payroll to make a big move. They traded for Segura, which I think lessens somewhat the need uh, to bring in uh, Manny Machado. They can still find a way to bring in Machado, but I think for them right now, uh, it probably makes more sense to get the outfielder. The Harper for the Phillies is the most likely scenario. But I would say it's it's not more than 50% of this point in time. Now, same thing, Machado. So that's a great question, too. I, I look at Machado in his marketplace. I think, for Manny, the team that's going to offer the most is the White Sox. I don't know if he's going to go there, but they're a team like the Phillies, desperate to make a statement. And I think that for Manny Machado and this situation, uh, they need him. He would give them a face of the franchise, legitimacy. Uh, you think about the way things have gone in Chicago with, with the Cubs winning so recently. The White Sox want that voice back in the market. And so I think that for them, Sonny Machado would be both a very important roster move, but also I think a very good message and marketing and PR. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. And just two more here. Diamondbacks. Who won the deal? Diamondbacks get Weaver, Kelly, Young, and a 2019 competitive uh, round pick, draft pick. Cardinals get Paul Goldschmidt. Who won? Uh, so I have to pick one, right? Uh, I think, I'll say this. For what they needed, the Cardinals got exactly the player they've been missing. Really since Albert left. Yeah. That, that is a MVP bat. He fits our lineup so well. You think about how I think he'll play very well with Osuna and Carpenter in the middle of the lineup. Uh, they, the Cardinals have had a good collection of players, Danielle, but not a, a great one through eight. Well, yeah, exactly. They've had a great one through eight group, or a very good one, but not the, the standard bear. Yeah. And and so here you, you wonder, do they still find a way to get Harper in there? Maybe, but, but the need is less. Right. Uh, less and I think Goldsmith just, he fits so well there. And I think for them, of course, he grew up in Texas, uh, so somewhat close to Missouri. I could see him being very comfortable there. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to need to, to chase the biggest money and brightest lights a year from now. So I think if the Cardinals find a way, much like Matt Holiday from Oklahoma, it's a similar kind of part of the country, it's similar personality. Uh, I think the Cardinals see Goldsmith and say, you know what, we could probably find a way to sign him up. And finally, you have the last one. Mariners get Bruce, Glenich, Schwarzenegger, Batista Dunn, and the Mets get Cano Diaz and Cash. So, a couple of things. I, I think that for the Mets, again, I look at their, what they needed here. They needed a, a strong statement, I think, that they're trying to win right now. Yeah. Uh, Edwin Diaz, he's got a long way to go before he surpasses John Franco as the greatest closer in the Mets. Who's here tonight? Who's here tonight. <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of saves to rack up, I think more than 250, I believe, yeah. in MS uniform. Yeah. And of course, the most ever for a lefty, which is amazing. Yeah. But uh, I, I think for, for them, I understand why they made the move. Cano, I think the next couple of years will be good. Uh, I, I worry a little bit about the, the last year or two of, of Robbie's deal, but I think he'll be a very good player for them. I'll be curious to see what it means for Jeff McNeil, uh, who of course was so big for the Mets in the second half. But I, I do think this, Jared Kellick's going to be a star in this game. Of course, he goes for the Mariners, uh, and not just because he's a fellow Midwesterner. I always look out my, my Midwest guys. Yeah. Kellick is from Waukesha, Wisconsin. This is a great story where he grew up playing not high school baseball because it was 
listeners so that the weather is so bad we didn't play high school ball until the summer. So we never even played varsity baseball. Uh, Kelnick did. Wow. A great player, first round pick. Uh, I'm a big fan of what he'll bring to the Mariners. But I think right now, uh, I like the present value of this deal for the best. Cool. And the final thing, you said you're a dual citizen. Okay, so let's put some all right, all right. quiz here. Quiz, okay. Quiz. So is it a visual, visual quiz or?